All right, so I'm going to ask you to settle in a little bit. Our scripture reading is a story, so it's a little bit longer than, uh, than normal. I mean, not that the whole scripture isn't a story, but we're not just picking out a little passage and reading a couple verses. So this comes from Genesis uh, chapter 39. Starts with the first verse, and if you'd like to follow along, you, you've got a phone or a pad, it's going to be up there. I don't know if it's the same version as what I'm reading. Don't let that mess you up. I mean, one of the best things you can do if you're studying or reading Scripture is to read other versions, to see what the words are, because it might make more sense for you in some other version, a little bit of a different translation might connect with you a little bit, a little bit differently. So don't, don't ever hesitate to pick up a different version of the, of the Bible and just read it through um, you know, sometimes, rarely for me though, but sometimes the King James Version is helpful to me. Rarely, but even though I can't say the word passeth, passeth, like we were trying to sing last week. So anyway, this is, uh, this is Genesis chapter 39, and you might recognize part of this story. Now Joseph was taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. He made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in his house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and with him there he had no concern for anything but the food that he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome and good-looking, course he was. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, with me here, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my hand. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How could I then do this great wickedness? And sin against God. And although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not consent to lie beside her or to be with her. One day, however, when he went into the house to do his work, and while no one else was in the house, she caught hold of his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, she called out to the members of her household and said, See, my husband has brought among us a Hebrew to insult us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And when he heard me raise my voice and cry out, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. And she kept his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to me to insult me. But as soon as I raised my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. When his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, saying, This is the way your servant treated me, he became enraged. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. He remained there in prison. 
But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. He gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's care all the prisoners who were in the prison. And whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The chief jailer paid no heed to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. That's the end of the reading. So how many of you, with that first question that I asked you about the habits of other people that drive you crazy, how many of you are able to restrain yourselves from saying anything? Not so much. Or maybe a little. Right? Right? So on good days, you probably have some self-control in regard to that. But let's just say that you've been working a lot of hours. You had a flat tire on the way home. You haven't eaten. And then you come home and you are faced with the habit of which you cannot stand. More than likely, self-control could go out the window. I embody this very clearly. My household, when I get stressed, things that usually don't really bother me, bother me. I like to have control over things. I mean, I think most of us do in different ways. I'm, I'm a little bit anal about stuff. I like to have things where they go. I, I like to have flat surfaces in the house have space to put things on them. When they don't, and especially if I'm stressed or if, or if things aren't going well or whatever, um, if I come home and things are not in the way that I would like them to be, uh, there are a couple of options. I can't either. Um, have steam come out my ears and blow the top of my head off and yell at everybody, which is an option. <laughs> that has been selected at different times. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not good. It's not good. Doesn't help the rest of the household, really. Doesn't really help me. My sons, my wife, are agreeing, yes. The other option, well, maybe there are three options, but the other option is that I come in and I just clean. I I sort, I order, I put things away, I I just take care of it. And that's probably the better option for me because then I use that nervous energy to whatever. Some of that is just learning self-control to not flip the switch on the first option, to maybe flip the switch on the second one and go, okay, this is just a thing, it's my thing, and I can take care of this, right? But I think that comes with a certain level of self-knowledge, comes with a certain level of just being able to take a deep breath, realize that you know, things on the countertop are not going to destroy the earth, Though I think they will. <laughs> you know. But there is something about, about self-control that, that I think is interesting that it that it comes in in the scripture here. Because isn't it interesting? I I I think right now, especially in the in this particular political year that we're in, or a year and a half we, we've been in, there's just I don't I don't see much self-control being exhibited. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I know that there are things people are doing and they're doing them advisedly. The way, the way that they're often saying things, they're coached to do them in a certain way, I think, or they just do them. But, but it's interesting to me that, 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 there, that there isn't, doesn't seem to be much self-control, that, that, that this isn't a value that we, that we often lift up, though we want to teach it to our children, don't we? We want our children to understand that if, if someone takes your toy, you don't just whack it out of their hand and then whack them upside the head, which might be your first tendency. That, you know, if, if, if somebody's at the water fountain and you, and you need water, that you don't just shove them out of the way and take your turn. I mean, it's easy for us to understand those kid things. We, 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 we want to teach our kids this, this self-control, but... But what is it about being in the scripture? That's, that's what's fascinating to me, that, that this one it's one, of the, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's in Galatians 5, 23, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control. What is it about that particular thing that seems to be important that it, that it gets highlighted in the scripture? Well, I think one of the things is it's really nice to, to have this um, section from Second Peter that, that Nate read earlier, Second um, Peter chapter one verses three to eleven, in that it puts it it puts it in perspective. It, it puts it in order. It puts it in in order with some with some other things, and that was really helpful to me because I because I was just thinking, well, why self control? What is that about? Why is it important? And, but I think as, you, as it goes into all these other things, maybe you'll begin to see what, that, what this might mean. Well, yeah, I'll say that later. So it starts this way. For this very reason... Well, let me back up. So that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust. And, and lust doesn't just mean sexual desire, I don't think. I think it has a much larger context. But you may escape the corruption that is in the world because of lust and may become participants of the divine nature. For this reason you may make every effort to support your faith, support your faith with goodness. Support your faith with goodness. One of the things that I think... We forget here, or at least I always forget here in the, in the fruits of the Spirit, is that they're fruits of the Spirit. They're not fruits of my own self-will. That they're a gift from God. That, that as, I, as I open myself to God more and more, as, as, as I come to a time of meditation and prayer and study and worship, um, and as I seek to see what God's doing in the world, that, that these perhaps can become more a part of my life, that I don't just make them happen by my own self-will, though, like any gift that's given, I've got to open it. I've got to open it. I've got to, I've got to, be, I've got to be willing to accept that it might be something that I might want and open it. But faith is a gift. So it all starts with faith. It all starts with this faith that comes from God, that, that we've been given... I mean, if, every, if everybody had faith, then everybody would be in, in, in different religions, right? I mean, I think we all have faith in something, but I think when we come to Christ, there's a certain 
We, we receive the gift of faith. And so it's always a gift and it starts there. And it says, support your faith with goodness. The, the word in the, I think the word in the Greek is arete, which means virtue. Oh, holy goodness, here we are, virtues now. I mean, it's really interesting how much this passage, I think, goes along with a lot of the Greek um, sort of ideals. And it's almost like Peter here is, is taking some of those Greek ideals and he's locating them within, within the fabric of the Christian faith. That, in, that, it's not, that, it, that it's not, we don't just follow the ideals for ideals' sake. We follow the ideals because of Christ. Because we're trying to live into what Christ has for us. We're trying to live out the life that Christ has given us. It's a much different emphasis than just saying, well, just be good for goodness' sake. Just do virtue because it's the right thing to do. We have a different starting point, and that's Christ. And yes, there may be good things to do, and they may be great for society and all of that, but for us, we, we start there, we go there because of Christ. Because we want to emulate what, what he was about, at least in some way, shape, or form. So support faith with goodness, with virtue. And we're going to talk about that at some point here in the future. And then support virtue with knowledge. Support virtue with knowledge. So, so we have this faith, supposed to, supposed to live into this virtue or, you know, treating each other appropriately, all that sort of stuff, living into those things. Um, and then with knowledge, so, so, that, so that then we, we undergird that. And I, and, I, and I like this because it speaks to our Christian faith in a way that says, you know, don't just, don't just go, okay, I got it all figured out. I know everything. I don't need to continue on anymore in the path. I've got all, you know, I've got, I've got my faith locked in somehow. I don't need to go, I don't need to walk anymore on the path. I don't need to challenge myself. I don't need to, I don't need to, to, to try to study a new book of the Bible. I don't need to try to new prayer practice, whatever. Uh, but to, to continue to gain knowledge. Because at least in my life, whenever I think I've got it figured out, I'm, I, I often come to a place where I go, boy, I really don't have this figured out. I need to learn more. I need to, I need to grow more. And then the next one is support, support knowledge. Gnosis is the Greek word. Support knowledge with self-control. I think that's fascinating. Because if I know something and you aren't getting it right, I want to tell you that you're wrong. Yeah? Yeah. If your brother's doing something wrong that you know is wrong, boy, you want to tell him it's wrong, don't you? I mean, maybe there are appropriate places for that, right? Correct somebody's behavior. But oftentimes, if somebody, if somebody is ignorant, if we want to go that far, it may not be helpful to get right up in their chops about it. Maybe more helpful to love them and to show them a different way. Because I don't know about you, but, but when, when, someone is, when, when, someone, when someone comes at me with their knowledge and they're trying to show me just how wrong I am, guess what I do? Boop! I'm on defense. And then I might get on offense if you push me a little bit too hard, you know? I'll figure out a way to get the ball in my hands and then we're going to rock and roll. So support your knowledge with self-control with self-control. 
And I think that comes, I mean, because it is interesting in our world that, um, especially these days, we, we see how hard self-control is. Even some of the greatest, most wonderful leaders that we've ever had, or people that we thought were the greatest, most wonderful leaders we've ever had, when we, when, when we find more and more and more out about them, oftentimes there's a chink in the armor. And it often has to do with self-control. Joseph, at least in this passage, exhibited this kind of self-control. I mean, guys, I mean, be real honest. Here you are. You've been given all this responsibility. You, 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 you're running the household. You have all the servants and everybody at your beck and call. You can do whatever you want. Everybody loves you. And then you have a woman who's now attracted to you. I would just say for most men who are attracted to women, this would be a very difficult situation to say no to. But Joseph does. And the reason why he does is, is because of his relationship with, with God. At least that's what he says. He says, this would, this would, this would not be good in the eyes of the, of the Lord. He's blessed us. He's blessing you. He's blessing your husband because, because, because I'm being faithful and all of that. So, you know, this would not be good. And so he's able to, to resist temptation. Now let's talk about another biblical figure, another, another man. Anybody know Samson? Yeah. Yeah, what's his, what's his downfall? It's women. It's women. I mean, it just, he just cannot, yeah, can't control himself. And it just, it continues to lead him into trouble. It's an interesting character in the Bible. So it's just a start, I mean, again, I'm drawing this sort of black and white, but it, there's sort of this stark contrast here. And so, so again, support your faith with goodness, with virtue. Support, support your goodness, your virtue with knowledge. Support your knowledge with self-control. Put your knowledge with self-control. And then self-control with endurance or perseverance. Wow. I mean, I don't know if how, how many of you have ever, you know, been on diets, workout plans, you know, debt reduction plans, and you're, and you're, trying, to, you're trying to control yourself. And you're just using your willpower, and you're just and then there's that one day when the, when you know you can have two thin mints, <laughs> and there's a whole sleeve in the freezer, and about five minutes later, there's not a whole sleeve in the freezer anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, with endurance, with perseverance, that's a that's a tough one. But again, these are gifts of the spirit. This is, I mean, what, what, I, love, what I love about talking about these, these fruits of the Spirit is, is that this is really a partnership with God, that, that it isn't just up to us. It isn't just up to us. And, and then support your endurance with godliness or with piety or devotion. I love that, with godliness. Like, 
continue to support your endurance with godliness or, or, or piety or devotion, meaning continue along the way of prayer and, and, and of study and doing those things. And then support your, your piety and your devotion, your godliness with mutual affection or brotherly love. And then support your mutual affection with love. I mean, it, just, it sort of builds on each other and, and they, you know, they all, they all work together. And they all work together. And so, you know, as, as we talk about these, these fruits of the Spirit, as we talk about today self-control, this is, this is not, this is, what, what's, e- what's easily done here and what preachers easily do is like, well, clearly you are a person of God if you're exhibiting self-control. You're able to handle all these things and you're, you're, you're a person of God. There are people of God who are very, very faithful who have chinks in the armor. And their names are you and me. <laughs> I mean, that's their names. You and me. That even at our best, even at our strongest, we are not going to exhibit these things 100% of the time. That's part of the journey. That's part of the understanding about that God has called us, God has given us these gifts, that it is God who has saved us and given us a new life in Christ. Where when we make those mistakes, when we, when, when we don't back up our faith, you know, with these things, when we, don't, when we don't back up our knowledge with self-control, when we don't back up our self-control with, you know, with perseverance. We don't back up our perseverance with godliness. When we don't do those things, that, that we don't have to condemn ourselves and stay there. We can recognize our fault, we can confess that fault and that sin to God, and we can get back up again and begin moving forward again. Because in Christ, we are being given a new life every single moment. If you've ever been around people who are in, um, in 12-step programs, uh, the ones who get it, get this so clearly. I mean, it is one day at a time, one hour at a time, one minute at a time, one second at a time. And sometimes that's what you need in order to move forward in your life. When you've screwed up, when you haven't exhibited self-control, when you haven't done these things that you these things you think you're supposed to do. But know that God has given you the gift of faith. You are here because of that. That God's Spirit, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, the one that moved over the watery chaos and brought everything into life, is in you, has given you the power to move forward in whatever way God is calling you to move to move mountains if possible, to make possible the things of God. So even as you might look at your life and go, boy, I need more self-control here, more self-control here, and I need more perseverance there, I need that. Yes, yes, and yes, go for it. Ask God for those things. Ask God for that spirit. But know that you can already act as if you have that because you do. Because that's the crazy thing about our faith is that even though we're broken and even though we're still in this old life, we've been given the new life that is in Christ. 
And that's the gift of each and every day that we have to pound, I, I have to pound into my own head. Is that each and every day we have a new opportunity. Each and every minute, each and every second, we have a new opportunity to be renewed and refreshed in Christ and to live out these gifts of the Spirit. So as you think about where, where, where it is that you might need to exert some more self-control, you know, where, where, where it might be that, that you need to confess your sins of, of not having the self-control. Maybe you need to make some reparations with some family members or co-workers or friends or whatever. Do that if it needs to be done. And in our prayer, I'll give, give you time to just think about those things. Think about those things. But then know that in Christ you are a new creation. You have a new life. You have been given the fruit of the Spirit, that we might show forth love to all people. Amen.